Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Byrne, and today I'm joined by rising Irish professional heavyweight, Thomas Carty. Thomas, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks very much, Kevin. Doing great. Better than ever. Happy days. Uh, You made your professional debut this year after a couple of years of uh, looking in at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was was considering for a long time. You know, I've always kind of wanted to be a professional since I started out, so it's good to finally get the uh, the ball rolling, you know? Mm. Thomas, um, you came to boxing from a GA background, is that right? Correct, yeah, yeah. Uh, what club did you play for? What part of Dublin are you from? And I'll tell, um, tell us all. From Fisbury originally. I'm still living here. But um, for some reason, don't ask me why I played for a Scully Cunnel in Contarf. I think I went with a friend from school or something like that. So we went to school in Parnell Square. Not too sure. There's no real connection there, but we just ended up in uh, Scully Cunnel in Contarf. All right. And what position were, did you play? Did you take it very seriously or...? I took it, yeah, I took it really seriously. Um, for as far as I can remember, since I started, you know, I played, I was playing soccer before that, but once I started, I got fairly good, fairly quick. Um, and I was playing midfield. I was like this height, I got really tall, very fast, but I was tall and skinny. So I was playing midfield, um, for the majority of my GA playing career. Um, and then I, between midfield and half forward. Okay. Oh yeah, so good athletic, good athletic play, like typical Dublin player, big, strong, and uh, and good. Yeah, sport. yeah. I'd like to, I would like to say, thinking back, that I was really good. You know what I mean? I, I always say, you know, just in conversation, that if I didn't kind of pursue the boxing, I'd like to hope I'd be playing for Dublin today. Mm. Did you come up against many of the current team uh, as an I, underage player yourself? Uh, the the one guy I can remember is I would have played against Carmen Costello a lot. He played for. I'm nearly sure he just played for Clontarf. So we would have played, we would have been kind of rivals, you know, being from the same area. So we would have played together a lot. And I think he was playing half forward a couple of times. And regardless of what, what position I was meant to play, I was always marking him. So we were kind of, you know, back and forth a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You'd imagine, um, you'd imagine what sort of an Irish soccer team we'd have and how many great boxes we'd have if we didn't have the GA because uh, yeah. there's so many, there's so many brilliant athletes in the GA at the minute. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So obviously, it, we always ask the question if you weren't a boxer, but a GA player for Dublin is an interesting one, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would definitely be the road I would have went down. I can imagine, you know. Yeah. So, like, like a good few boxers, you started off to just get strong. You started off in boxing just to get stronger for your field sport. Yeah, for field sport. So a couple of things, kind of, 
I maybe lean more towards boxing. It's the whole team sport thing, you know, 15 people. I took it very seriously. Some people might not have taken it seriously as I did. And, you know, I wanted a sport where, you know, results depend on you at the end of the day, you know. So I liked that aspect of boxing, that it was all on you, whether you win or lose. Whereas with GA, I remember a couple of times playing and people you know, would be taking a serious drink in the nice before matches and stuff. And like, I, in theory, I could have moved to, you know, a better team, like a higher division team. I think we're like division three or something, but I took it very serious as well, you know? Yeah, lads sparking up at halftime and all that sort of jazz. <laughs> there was none of that, but yeah, yeah that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you began, it was a boxing at 16 for you, was it? Uh, boxing, at, it was around 15, 16, yeah. And you've moved around a few clubs, but where did you start off? Was it Corinthians or was it, um, no, Fisher Boxing Club, is that right? No, no, no. So funny enough, right, everyone always says this about a couple of us, you know, he's moved around a few clubs, but we actually moved as a whole club. So we all moved, you know what I mean? So we, I, di- I didn't chop and change clubs. Like I, I first started off in Corinthians and my uncle's friend was the one that actually brought me down. So he's played like kind of five-side soccer matches and I was always at him about, you know, joining boxing. He was a coach in Corinthians at the time. So I went to Corinthians. My first coach turned out to be Declan Garrity's dad. So Declan Garrity Sr., he was coaching when I got there. Um, and after a couple of months, it kind of changed around and Jimmy Halpin and Albert Roach came on board. So we were all in the club there at the beginning. So it was me, Jimmy Halpin, um, Albert Roach, Kelly, Emmett. No, Emmett wasn't there at, this, at that stage. He came later on, but it was the likes of Jeffrey Cavanaugh and a couple of other good boxers. Jordan Moore was in the club, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a load of us in the club that turned out to be, you know, have really good careers in amateur boxing. Um, and we went then from Corinthians, we all moved to Glasnevin. So the whole lot of us moved to Glasnevin as a unit, you know? Yeah. And there wasn't anybody left behind, like in Corinthians. So we moved to Glasnevin. I had a good, good few, like, take me ages to go through a long spent there, but, yeah. had a, you know, had a good time in Glasnevin. And then we all ended up splitting and we went different ways. Some of us went to different clubs and that, you know. And, and, but I, I turned out in Crumlin. That's where I ended up. Training out of Celtic Warriors, but boxing under the Crumlin banner. Yeah, and so Celtic Warriors is where you've ended up now as well. But take us back to your amateur career. Were you happy with how things went? You obviously you fought you fought for Ireland, and so you have the pride of that. You know, you you won your fight. It was your first international contest against Scotland, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I fought for Ireland a good few times. Yeah, you know, a good few times. Um, so really happy with my amateur career. Yeah, and <clears throat> I would like to say that like amateur boxing and professional boxing for me, they've been like two different sports altogether. Like I always took things seriously, but looking back, and um, without like say proper guidance in certain areas. I wasn't, you know, as competitive as I could have been. Whereas now, um, like if I was, if there was an award for the most improved boxer, you know what I mean? I would probably give it to myself, you know, not saying that I'm fantastic now, but I'm a lot better than I have been and I have shown, you know. Well, I suppose what maybe look at what were your preoccupations on the side as an amateur boxer? Was it school, college or as, yeah. as a professional? What, what's your... What's your tray or what do you do? Like uh, very, on the true, very true. So a lot of people, um, you know, I, I find that amateur box or professional boxing in Ireland, a lot of people still have like full-time jobs and stuff. Whereas I'm pursuing this full-time, you know, I'm really giving it a good go. And it, it might not seem that way because fight dates keep falling through for me and stuff like that, but I'm ready to go all the time. It's just unfortunate. I think at the moment that I've like, you know, a decent profile at such an early start. It's hard to get opponents. I never knew like the business side. It's hard to get opponents, you know, and it's hard to get opponents for the right money from ours don't want to pay above the odds, you know. So um 
I am giving a good a good go. You know what I mean? It's full time for me. Yeah, that's made a difference. You know, you've cracked a few of the codes already at this stage, like one and zero. But I'd say you've got more sponsors than most boxers in Ireland. How did you manage to? Where did you get, develop your networking skills? Or is he just that kind of person? How, because I'd say a lot of boxers in Ireland would, if they could ask Thomas McCarthy one question, it's like, how do you have so many sponsors? Yeah. I suppose I'd be really good at networking, you know what I mean? And um, not just networking. I like to think I'm a likable bloke, you know what I mean? I have no bad blood with anybody and I'm not controversial. I don't say, you know, controversial things. And um, so I have no bad blood with anybody, you know? To be honest with you, a lot of the people that I have sponsorships with, I actually know anyways, already. They're not, you know, I didn't go looking for sponsors as in, you know, begging at people's doors. They're actually people that I know really well, like the likes of Manhattan. I know the owner's two daughters to train in my gym. And the, the White Moose Cafe is a brilliant one. And I, throughout the whole of lockdown, I was getting coffee there every day, talking to Paul Stence. I know him really well. And Diamond Bullies would be a friend of a friend that turned out now to be a really good friend of mine. And then I have my mate's barber shop. And... And I have a couple of other ones, you know, but they're all friends. None of them are random, you know? Yeah. So it's not as if I have um, a secret code, you know, to get all these sponsors. They're actually all friends that I want to be involved, you know, which is great. It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. But the, there is a certain pull to a boxer from Dublin that um, maybe some boxers from down the countryside mightn't have. They have their communities. They can sell to, to their communities. But Dublin is always crying out for someone new to come along. You know, we've seen well-supported boxers from Dublin in the past. And I think the city is crying out for more. A hundred percent. I'd agree with that, definitely. Like, I'm at the stage now, I know I won't fight, but I would love to, I'd, like, I'd, the, the business side of boxing is crazy, but I would love my own show because I think I could probably sell out a show myself. You know what I mean? At this stage already, you've no idea the people that get on to me looking for tickets and friends of friends that want to, you know, come see me fight and stuff. So, I think it'd be savage to get shows in the road already and um, early on in my career, you know? What do you think, a national stadium? It'd be great to box in a national stadium, but I've kind of, a bit, not that I've been there, done that. I've boxed in a national stadium already and there hasn't been a pro card there in a while. So anywhere, um, I heard there's rumors of like different cards here, there and everywhere. I'd love to box in Daily Mount Park. That's the one. That's where I'm from, Daily Mount Park. Yeah, well, there's been tons of boxing in Daly Mount Park before, I think, but Barry McGuigan made his professional debut there as well. And um, But there's, back in the 40s and 50s and stuff, there was there was a lot more boxing there. I don't think there's been a show there for a long time. But, oh, there hasn't been, but like, why not now? There's me, I'm from Tips, I know everybody from, from there and around surrounding areas and then across the whole of Dublin. And then you have Craig O'Brien, he lives down the road. You know what I mean? And like me and Craig could probably, like I would be comfortable in saying that we'd sell it out ourselves, you know? You reckon? Two fights, yeah, definitely. We'll have like, we'll get a singer up or something like that. Just two fights and a singer. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that part of Dublin is is turning up. Every single Bowes match is sold out. Oh, yeah, it's definitely, it's been gentrified, you know, through the roof, um, Fisbury especially. And it's it started kind of around Stony Bar. It's made its way up to Fisbury. And now I see it making its way, like, even down to Doors Estuary is picking up everything now. So it's, uh, it's savage. They're doing a savage job on the area. It's great to see, you know. Yeah, I think Daily Mount Park, you, you start banging on the door, but I guess the place is being redeveloped. So maybe you'd be looking to the future um, and the new stadium. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I know Pascal was uh, really good friends with the, the guy that runs it at the moment. I think his name is uh, Daniel Lambert. So, you know, it's not as if these conversations aren't taking place. They're definitely taking place at the moment. It's just all the litigation stuff like that that you have to jump through, the legal stuff, you know, because obviously there hasn't been any big boxing cards in Dublin in a while. 
you know, and you could say that Daily Mount would be a big one. Yeah, I think I think it would absolutely qualify. Yeah, like oh, well, fingers crossed, Thomas, and uh, you start uh, you start banging the drum and keep banging it. Yeah, but why? And this is the thing: like people say, "Ah, oh, sure, it's not done," but like, why can't it be done? And why not? Because you go all over Europe, and these shows are popping up here, there, and everywhere. You know, in all sorts of venues, and you know, people are you know always coming up with ideas to box in this place and that place. Why can't we do it? You know, we're always last to the table with things. I think Irish, the Irish people, and Irish people in sport. You know. Afraid of trying new things and you know, uh, going above and beyond like what's done before. You know, it's always national stadium. It's always you know that place. What's it called? The place along the canal there. Good council. Good council. It's always good. Yeah. Council. Like you know what I mean? Why not change it up? Try somewhere else. You know. I suppose it comes down to affordability, and uh, you know where can where can you afford to rent out for enough time? And promoters need deep pockets in order to get these places. I don't know how much Stadium and Park would cost, but it's you know it ain't going to be that cheap. It's not going to be that cheap. No, Although, it's not going to be cheap. But if it's done right, you know what I mean. It's definitely feasible, hundred percent. Like it, as I said, if you put five fights on six fights, you know the dub and Dublin Fire. Say you did a Dublin Fire only. It, there's no reason it wouldn't sell out. Yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully so, Thomas. I look forward to attending that one at ringside, definitely. And hopefully before the place is redeveloped because this is it it's still got a, it's still yeah. got a chance. Do you go to the Bowls matches? Do you know what? Um, I don't know how I'm going to answer this question. Oh, 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 oh. I don't watch soccer at all. Not a fan. Oh, I'm a big fan of anything local. You know what I mean? If it was netball, I'd be a fan. So yeah. I'm going to Bowles send me a Bowles jersey. I wear it with pride. Family and I support Bowles. My uncle's, a, you know, he's a fanatic. And so I do definitely support them. But uh, I don't watch soccer, unfortunately. So I can't comment on any Ireland games that have happened recently um, or any any soccer matches at all. Fair enough. But um, you could have been a Dubs man, though. That's a, that's a different thing. But boxing is what you chose. And like in your short career today, you've like you've obviously had one professional fight, but... Um, Another way of earning your crust is as a sparring partner and the certain challenges that that entails. You've worked with some big names over the last couple of years. Like you started off, I think, with um, Lawrence O'Coley was the first big name I saw you in the corner of. On, Derek, on the far- Derek Chisora was the first one. Chisora came beforehand. Yeah. So how did that come about and uh, how did it work out for you? You were <laughs> you were put, getting yourself in the mind and body of Oleksandr Usyk, the brilliant Ukrainian yeah. former cruiserweight champion. So, so how that came about was I boxed in Haringey a couple of years ago. And I boxed against a guy from, I think it was Boy Hart Lane. Um, and the coach was, you know, Stephen Brown. He's the coach for Joe Joyce at the moment. Yeah, nice. He's worked at a couple of big corners. I think he was actually involved with Frampton for a he while. He was Frampton's, yeah. He was Frampton's yeah. strength and conditioner a few years ago, yeah. So we stayed in touch. And um, he's a really good guy, you know. Uh, we stayed in touch. And when the fight was announced, I, you know, I don't know what way it came about, but he said, you know, you'd be similar to Usyk style, similar, similar height, I think he was slightly taller. A bit heavier, but similar enough, you know what I mean? As close as can be without being exactly like him. Um, physically, I'm not saying skill-wise, you know, physically. And then uh, skill-wise, like I would have a similar style, you know, not up to his level, but a similar style. Southpaw, I'm left-handed, you know, six foot three and a bit, nearly six foot four. And uh, he said he'd be a good sparring partner. So that was said to me kind of, you know, it was like a remark that was made. It was not never serious. And then coming up to the fight, they just called me and wanted me in for sparring. And it all snowballed from there, to be honest, because uh, they really liked me there. I, I did some really good rounds, you know. I, I served my purpose that I was there for. Um, and then, you know, that sort of news travels fast. Then Cody was looking for, Lawrence Cody, which is now, he's world champion now. And he was looking for spars. So he actually came up on the last day of Derek's camp. 
and Derek wasn't sparring that day. So all that, his, they're all Derek's sparring partners sparred Lawrence and he was really happy with the work that I gave him in sparring there. So he asked me then to the next two camps because he, he did a camp for the fight and it fell through because of COVID. Glowaski caught uh, COVID before Christmas and then he asked me back for the second camp. So um, like I said, a lot of snowballs and then your name is getting out there more and more people are hearing about you and you're meeting new people, you know, you're meeting all these people in the UK because the boxing circle, especially heavyweight, you know, uh, heavyweight boxing circle in the UK, you might think it's massive and there's loads of them, but everybody knows each other, you know, it's a small circle, as big as it seems, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And you're in, you're in um, O'Coley's corner. You've got, you've got Barry McGuigan milling around as part of Jim. Shane McGuigan is there giving you tips as well. So good, good stables and good, good advice coming your way as well. And really good people, you know. I've met a number of good people. I haven't met any bad people through boxing yet, you know. Um, they give them really good advice, you know, uh, from a boxing standpoint, from the business side of boxing standpoint, you know, what to look out for and what to be wary of. And uh, yeah. It's been a savage experience, you know. It really, really has been meeting these guys. David Hay as well, really good guy. Um, got on really well with David and Derek and uh, all that team. Then really well with Shane and Barry. You know, I, I still send Barry the odd couple of messages here and there. Um, really good guy. At that point, are you looking for a new team? Are you looking to get signed? Or are you looking to pick up your pick up your stuff as a professional as well? Or yeah, do you know what? Um, there's a, there is a lot of people, and still there is a lot of people interested. Um, I, I don't want to make any decisions because I can see how people are used as pawns in the boxing business, definitely. And uh, I would love to box in the UK. be fantastic boxing on the likes of Sky and stuff. And it's stuff that's very attainable. You know, it's there's conversations being had at the moment. But um, at the end of the day, I think starting off as a heavyweight, you're only an Irish guy in the UK. And, you know, it seems as though, anyways, with uh, the likes of Eddie Hearn, they really back the English guys, which is understandable, you know. And that's just how I feel myself. You would only be an Irish guy, you know, on the books in the UK. So it depends how much they're going to back you. And I want I want this uh, my career to be a long-term thing. I don't want four, two, three fights and then thrown to, into the lines then, you know. Yeah, well, ultimately, you are going to be put in against someone that you might you might have had proper time to prepare for. You look at, I know you've got a great relationship going back years with Niall Kennedy. Maybe he yeah. was a, acted as a mentor to you. I'm not sure, but I'd say he's he's that kind of guy. You've done so many rounds sparring. He gets yeah. he gets put in against Alan Babich, and you know, was, you know, takes it takes a, a bad one on the night. Yeah, definitely. You know, so that's the, the the likes of the chances that I'm definitely willing to take. But still a, a learning experience for me. Um, I progressed so much. I think the, the likes of an Alan Babbage fight is definitely been in my grasp in the next couple of years. A fight I'd actually really like to have because, you know, I have obviously my own plan and own style for how I'd approach that fight, you know. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, you don't, like I said, you'd only be an Irish guy, you know, on their books over there. Would they back you the way they're going to back other guys? Because I see guys getting, you know, a handy way and um, to say 10 and 0, you know, handy fights the whole issue being backed heavily then by promoters and um, promoters and managers. I, I won't name any names, but you see some guys, you know, they, they're all of a sudden 10 and 0 haven't fought anybody, you know? Mm. Yeah. So uh, I, I basically what I'm saying is I, I'm not playing the short game here. It's the long game. And I see, you know, what it takes to be a really good heavyweight. And, you know, you need time, you need to learn on the job. And these sparring camps are fantastic. You know, uh, Joby Clayton, which is one of Anthony Joshua's coaches, um, was actually saying to me that most of the learning is done in high quality sparring. 
you know, you don't get a chance in your fights really to try out new things. And when you're under the pressure of, you know, getting the win. So sparring is where it's at, he says. And all the top heavyweights through the years have sparred each other at some stage in somebody's camps coming up, you know? Yeah, well, uh, as uh, even my producer, Simon, before we came on air, was reminding me, like, you look, even look at Joshua himself. And we'll discuss your time in Anthony Joshua's camp as well. But uh, he, he went and sparred Vladimir Klitschko and, and ultimately ended up beating him. So did Tyson Fury, actually, you know, so... It, what goes around does come around in the heavyweights for sure 100% and as I said it's a small circle you know if you're a good heavyweight you're heard about and people know who you are you know and like you said um, about you know Joshua and Tyson Fury being in Klitschko's camp you also have the likes of Philip Hergovich and Deontay Wilder that were in David Hayes camps you know so you know it is a small circle how did it how did it come about? Like you've obviously you've done time now in um, Ocoli's camp Chisora's camp before that is it just that the um the grapevine is so small. Then Anthony Joshua gets to hear about, you know, you could be an effective use uh, for his for his camp as well. Or were you brought in specifically to mimic Usyk as well? And maybe, oh, he did a good job doing it for Chisora as well. Yeah, but like what I'll say is, you know, you're not really being brought in to mimic Usyk because Usyk is, you know, pound for pound, you know, top three in the world, you know, at the moment. So you're not being brought in to mimic Usyk's style. I think the idea is you're being brought in to get as close to it as possible. Like you're never going to get, you know, a sparring partner in that's Alexander Usyk or even anything close because he's that good, you know? Unique, yeah, unique talent. He's, he's that good. But uh, you're being brought in for the southpaw aspect, you know, you might be similar height, similar style and you're just a good fighter in your own way, you know, and there's things to be learned from that. You know, they're trying to grasp the whole fighting and southpaw thing, which I understand. And like, it's, it's a big problem in, especially heavyweight boxing, there's not that many, you know? Yeah, and if your job now is obviously as a as a heavyweight boxer, but you're earning money from being a sparring partner, how careful are you not to impress too much? Because you don't want to get sent home. You don't want to get sent home for being too good. But at the same time, you can't absorb too much punishment either. How hard do you go in those spars? How I suppose because you're in against top class fighters, you have to probably go in. Yeah, also hundred percent in order to look after yourself. It's what I would say is it's definitely you know one hundred and ten percent every time. And whether that means that you're not trying to take the other guy out, but you're definitely not going easy, you know. And I think that the what the way it happened for me being in Derek Chisora's camp first was probably the best way of doing it because that was just crazy sparring him. Uh, that was like war, you know. I mean, that really, really was crazy. And some spars aren't as I won't say intense. The, the spars are intense, but like even beforehand sparring with uh, Derek, there's no talking. You know, he doesn't talk to you. You know. And so the first day I was a bit weary, you know, I introduced myself, we said hello and stuff like that. But then it was, you know, no talking, music goes off and then he like, he's praying in the corner beforehand. So it started to get nervous, you know what I mean? But the rest weren't as bad as that, you know, beforehand. But you see how serious it is. It's a job, you know what I mean? It's not a sport really for them. It's a job, you know, it's a, it's a, how they pay their bills and how they feed their families. So I, I can understand the intensity. I understand why it's so hard. And that's the difference. That's the big difference. Like, you know, everybody's always asking me, what's the difference between, you know, these professional camps and what people do at home and what I was doing, like, you know, what I see in Celtic Warrior. Uh, there's no difference at all. Absolutely none. It's just the intensity is different. There's no secret, you know, secret training regime or anything like that. Everything is the same. The information is all there. It's the intensity that it's done at, you know. 
It sounds somewhat intimidating going up against Shazara, actually, now that the way you explain it. Oh, no, you've no idea. Especially the first week, you know what I mean? So intimidating. And after the first week, first bar, I was like, Jesus, that was that was crazy. You know what I mean? But then he looked after so well until the next bar, got to know each other even better. Then it was still the same intensity. It was still the same amount of intimidation for the next bar. But I knew that was just what it is. It is what it is. That's, you know, that's what, what they go for. He was so nice as well, like in making sure I looked after. He was he brought me out like on days out with him and stuff like that. Uh, compared to other camps that I've been in, you know, that was second to none. And he he did a lot of looking out for me actually. And he actually he was chatting to me, you know, because at this stage in Chisora's camp I hadn't fought as a professional, you know. Um hadn't fought in probably a year and a half competitively. So he was all very interested in what I'm doing, what the plan is. He made a lot of introductions for me. And funny enough, I actually have the conver- I have the conversation on my phone recorded. Uh, he got Tyson Fury to give me a call, actually. So Tyson Fury rang me and spoke on the phone for about five minutes. And um, just checking up. And he was basically saying, oh, I heard from Derek that you were giving him great work and spars and stuff. So to be getting these compliments from Tyson Fury at the time, it was just, it's a bit surreal. The whole experience, like the last year, has been a bit surreal, to be honest with you. You know? And how was it that you got into Joshua's camp? So Lawrence, so I'd done two camps with Lawrence O'Cody. Uh, first one felt the fight fell through like fight week for him because uh, Glowski caught COVID. Then I, on the Joshua card, wasn't it? It was Lawrence, Joshua Pulev. Yeah. Pulev yeah, yeah, it was on that card. So they brought me back then. Uh, O'Cody brought me back for his next camp, which he headlined the card then fighting for a world title, which he went on to win then. Um, and he is managed by Joshua. I think Joshua owns the promotion or he's he's or sorry, the managerial company, uh, 258. So I think they manage fires. They're not a promoter. They're not a promoter. They manage fires. And uh, Joshua's manager, KD, actually got in touch with me. But it, like I said, it's all a small circle. You know, Lawrence Cody is so tight with these guys. I would have met them and would have been talked about, you know, in conversations and stuff. So he contacted me. Uh, one day. We actually spoke before that. Nothing ever about Joshua. We actually spoke just that's kind of, you know what I mean, back and forth on Instagram or whatever. And he contacted me, he said, listen, we want to get you inspiring. You'd be perfect. Uh, you're perfect for the job, you know? So he got in there for about two and a half, three weeks. You don't end up just sparring these guys. You end up kind of living with them sometimes, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but Lawrence, that, that was a very intense camp. So that was two very intense camps. He had the idea that he would prefer to live it with us, you know, like with, with Derek. He put us up in this really plush hotel in London. So that was savage. It was my first time in London as well. And so you didn't live with Derek, but he made his business to bring us out. Like I went to a couple of like those Russian saunas and stuff like that with Derek, like a couple of different things during the day, you know. Russian saunas? Yeah, have you ever been? It's like a Banya sauna. No, I don't think so, no. Savage, absolutely savage. You need to try in London. It's really, really cool. It's right. like It's like a plush kind of a spa. And uh, it's for recovery, you know. They they go and they do like uh, some of them are doing 25, 30 minutes. Brian Jennings was there, and um, Lemroy Thomas, like all top guys, and they were sitting in the sauna. But I was like two minutes and gone. So, <laughs> yeah. I can't hack the heat, you know what I mean? I can't hack the heat at all. Boxers are mad into doing those sauna contests now. Ever since Fury uh, says he beats, uh, got in Vladimir Klitschko's head this by staying it. in the sauna longer. This is it. Well, I'm not going to be getting on anybody's head because I could only do two minutes, and then I was out. Gone, not a chance. But yeah, he, he made his business to bring us out. But Lawrence Acoli, um booked a house and we lived together in the house. So he, you know, he lived there with us, you know. 
and it was what? locked down it was locked down as well in Kent so there wasn't that much to do so we were literally together all day every day for six weeks two sets of six weeks yeah that does sound intense alright just like while living um, and you're tired from all the hard work as well so you're just kind of oh, getting ratty at each other as well I'd say because with, with Derek's camp I had just been doing the sparring and then I'd do like an odd session in between with Lawrence's camp we did everything like I did the whole camp I could have fought I should have fought at the end of it to be honest but uh, I was super fit. We did the running, strength and conditioning, circuits, pads, bikes, sparring, like anything he did, we did with him, you know? And was that at their request or was that just uh, the thing no, to do? That, not at his request. It was more of a, like an option to do it. But if you're there, if you're there during lockdown in Kent, uh, there is nothing to do. Nothing. Like you, you can't even sit in for coffee. Like there is nothing to do in Kent. So you might as well train. Yeah, and it's it's been a productive lockdown for you as well, isn't it? Because you've you've not only kind of strengthened the body, you've probably strengthened the mind being away from home and being in these sparring camps with you know top world rated talents. Yeah, well. yeah. Like a, a lot of people said that to me. Said, "Geez, you're great the way you can just uh, you know pack up, leave, and go sparring for weeks on end." And you know, I didn't really think about it because any opportunity I get to kind of better myself, I just say yeah. But it, it does take a lot, I suppose, to pack up your stuff and head off and be by yourself because you are by yourself although you're living with these people you're by yourself a lot of the time you know what I mean and so it does take a lot but it, I, I just see it as an opportunity to get better you know like I said I'm doing this full time I'm not I don't have another job like I, I, I run fitness classes in the gym I have my own gym in Castlenock that doesn't take up too much of my time like this is what I do I only do that to facilitate my lifestyle boxing you know what I mean if I didn't need money you know to drive here and there training equipment and stuff like that didn't need money, I wouldn't be doing them. I'd be doing boxing literally 24-7. Yeah. But obviously, I need a bit of money, so I spent a couple of hours doing that. Like, I'm really giving this a lash. So any opportunity I get to progress or defer to myself in my career, I'm taking. So anybody rings for sparring and it suits me. Like, I haven't said no yet. You know what I mean? I haven't said no to anybody yet. Who Who's the best under-the-radar fighter you've been in with in, in those camps? And, and actually, do you sometimes end up sparring the other guys who were brought in to do the spars with the top names as well. The end of it against each other. Um, not as much because with, with the other guys that I brought in, not as much. Um, because if you just get injured sparring each other, you know, catch twenty two, you shouldn't yeah. sparring each other because you're there to do a job as far as they're concerned. But like, I would have trained a lot with other guys. I did a good, good few rounds with you know your man Chris Billum Smith, the Tommy McCarthy fought. Mm. He was in change gym, so I did a couple of rounds with him. Um, we do spar some of the other guys. I remember I sparred Brian Jennings, sparred Lemroy Thomas, you know, the likes of that towards the end of the camp. We were doing a couple of rounds, but not so much with it like any other camps. At Cody's camp, we never sparred each other. There was a guy called Shukran Parwani, an Afghani German guy, really cool guy, really good boxer. We didn't spar. We trained together every day, you know, we, we trained no matter what we were doing, we were together there, you know. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra 
and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Who of the guys that you've been on the circuit with is the best kind of unknown heavyweight that you've seen maybe get in and give O'Coley trouble or Chisora or Joshua or whatever? So is there, is there an up-and-coming heavyweight? Nobody really knows their name, but you know their name. Um, so first thing I'll say is that Lawrence O'Coley is a savage. So he is a savage. People don't understand how good that guy is. You know, uh, people looked at his like previous fights and they say, you know, oh, he couldn't be that good. That he's the real deal. Lawrence Cody is the real deal. I think he'll do. He'll go far, definitely. I can't. I just can't figure in my head how who will be. How can he be? You know, what's so hard? What's so hard about beating? He's he's heavyweight size, effectively, isn't he? He's heavyweight size. Uh, he can't be hit, and he hits so hard. He can't really be hit. I, I, like I, I don't know what he watched in his previous fights. He doesn't really get hit. You know, he's so long and has such good reactions. Very athletic. And um, but that's that's that. Lawrence is really good. Like, is he good at blocking or evading or to, to evading, you? Like? Evading. I'd say. I'd say evading. And under the radar heavyweight, there's a guy called Mihai Nister. Do you ever hear this guy? No. 2011, a Romanian guy. So in 2011, he actually stopped Joshua in um, the European Championship. I know, so I know the knockout now. Yeah, back in the, the, yeah, back in the day, he's really good. But like that, he's kind of under the radar. Um, he was in Lawrence's first camp, and then um, who would I say? I say Shukran. He's a cruiserweight. Uh, Shukran is really good as well. You know, a lot of guys I find um, Eastern European guys can be really good. But I don't know what it is. Is it like interest from the public? Um, is it interest from like the UK, Ireland, American general public that they don't get a chance? You know, there's a lot of really good guys out there that we don't know. You know, I think the, the only way to sell Eastern European guys is almost like baddies in a horror movie. So you've got Alan Babich, the savage, like Golovkin is the like smiling, nodding, happy guy, yeah, but yeah. he'll he'll murder you. You know what I mean? With yeah, fists. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's kind of the that's the hook, isn't it, for Russians? Like yeah. Arthur Baterbiev. Like they have to be able to really, really, really fight because, and bring a knockout punch. I was in uh, Hergovic's camp last week and there was two Croatian guys there, really good fighters. And they live such a such a hard life. You you wouldn't believe such a hard life. No sponsors, no nothing, no backing from anybody. Nobody wants to deal with them because nothing's gonna like they're basically saying that nobody wants to see them. You know, one guy is he's an like he calls himself a journeyman. He's four and zero. He's had four fights as an opponent and has beaten the opponents. You know what I mean? They they're just it's crazy. I think he's ranked eighty seven in the world. Yeah, 87, a heavyweight in the world. And he's, he went, like, he finished amateur boxing. He's actually from Bosnia, but trains out of Croatia. Uh, he has no coach, nothing. It's literally just him. 
he sometimes doesn't even spar for fights. And uh, his last fight, he had a A-rounder with a German guy, Alborn Purvis something, I can't think of his name, from all of our and he beat him. He won like every round. So these guys just aren't getting a chance because no one wants to see them. Serious fighters, you know? Yeah. Do you do you prefer, if you're in a spar, you know the way maybe like Joshua's doing a 12-round day or whatever, and he's doing like three different opponents, four rounds. Do you prefer to be first, middle, or, or third? So it varies with the people. You know, some people, and it varies on the game plan. Um, for example, I was in Hergovic's camp last week, and his first four rounds, nobody wants to be in there for the first four. <laughs> nobody, you know what I mean? Where some people take a few to warm it. Lawrence Acoli, the first four is probably where you want to be, because after that, it's, you know, like a sniper rifle after that, you know? So it depends on the person. So I can't say you prefer, it completely depends on the person um, you're in there with, you know? Well, I suppose then, like, put it to yourself. Five years down the line, you're fighting for, you're getting ready to fight for big titles. Are you, are you going to be the type of fighter you think who's going to be just straight out like a machine gun, or will you be slower, more methodical? Because we, we've only seen, I've just seen clips of your professional debut. Really, you've just had one one fight. You know, we haven't seen the kind of fighter that you're going to become. Going off, going off what I feel and what I see already, I probably warm into the fight and get better as it goes on because I would like to think that my cardio. And the, the training I do, I'm, I, can, I can only get better, you know. I, I actually, I know myself, I do get better. When I do six-round spars, eight-round spars, I get better as the rounds go on. You know, as the opponent is tiring, my pace stays the same. And I can pick it up, you know what I mean? My fitness is next level. Uh, especially, I have a new strength and conditioning coach since October. John Connor is his name. He actually, he's worked with Katie Taylor, Conor McGregor, and that. A lot with Carl Frampton. So. Frampton, yeah, I've met John over the years in Frampton. different airports, coming away from Frampton fights and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. so he's he's great pedigree in terms John of boxing stuff. John is a legend, and he really believes in me. And you know, anything he tells me to do, I do. And since I start training with him, it's just it's like I've discovered a new you know new side to myself. You know, and um, so I would like to say that I'm a fighter that's going to get better as the rounds go on. But like that, I you know a really big puncher, so. It completely depends, you know. I'm, I'm catching fellas in sparring the last while, and they're going down in round one and two and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So it's hard to say, and that's without trying. Not, I don't ever go and trying to intend on take people out. You know? Yeah. No, you understand this. The sparring etiquette. It's work. It's not. It's not. You're not going out there to kill lads. Yeah. S- since you've you've come home in between your camps in England and stuff like that, you've come home. You've done a few rounds. Uh, with Andy Lee, and uh, now you find yourself back to back to the Celtic Warriors, where you were kind of. Hooked yeah. up with as an amateur. How did you? How did your time with Andy go? Your sessions with him go? Savage, yeah. So I did a good few sessions with Andy. Andy's a really good guy, and especially considering he's also a tall southpaw. You know, he, he showed me some really good tricks. It showed me a lot. You know, to be fair, I'm really happy with what Andy showed me, and uh, we stay friends forever. You know, really good guy. Really respect him, and it's crazy. I only bought his book last year before I went to on the. Actually, I didn't buy it. It was bought for me, but I wanted it. And uh, a year later, you're training with the guy, you know, for about six weeks. Yeah, and he he sparred tough at the start of his career. Like he went into the into the Detroit Cronk, and all of a sudden he had to depose Jermaine Taylor, and he's in with Adonis Stevenson, and then they're putting him in with Vladimir Klitschko for a move around and stuff. Like yeah. that. So he really he really went in tough. That's unbelievable. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Andy Lee's career is mental. Yeah, and and obviously Pascal Collins, your current coach. 
was one of the master was the mastermind behind Kevin McBride's win over Mike Tyson. I'd say he mentions it every other day, does he, Packy? <laughs> he has a good Pascal is a man with stories to tell. He should actually write a book. It'd be a really good book. Pascal has some good stories, definitely. But what I really like about Pascal is he's straight as a die. You know, there's no bullshit with him. And uh He's such good experience. I mean, he's been there. He's been on the high-profile camps. He's been in these high-profile fights. And not years ago, like he was in high-profile fights with Spike and stuff, you know? So he really, really knows the game straight as a die. And all you can really ask for in boxing is trust. And I really trust him. And he trusts me, you know? And uh, looking forward to seeing what the future brings. I like how you say he's straight as a die. It kind of suggests that he's giving you no bullshit. So what have you had to face some hard truths, some home truths in the gym? Have you had a few... Harsh lessons, things you need to learn on and improve on. Yeah, like um, I would be really good long range boxer, and you get inspiring, and I revert back to straight. Like he'd be wanting me to practice, say on the inside, you know, a bit more on the inside, and I'd revert back to just fighting on the outside. And he wouldn't hold back on lashing the elbow. You know what I mean? <laughs> he'd be he'd be uh, okay with saying it how it is. Yeah, well, the Collins crew know, know what it's like to put bums on seats in Daily Moon Park there. So definitely, 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 yeah. How, how do you see the Usyk versus Joshua fight going? It's uh, September 25th at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Former World Cruiserweight Champion Usyk takes on World Heavyweight Champion Anthony Joshua. Holds all the belts by the WBC, which is in Tyson Fury's possession. Um, intriguing fight. I, I quite like Usyk's chances in it, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see Joshua come through the test just as well. So I, I haven't looked forward to a fight as much as this in a long time. I think the last time I looked forward to a fight like this was the rematch of David Hay and Tommy Bellew. Like, I'm really, really, really buzzing for it. Um, what? Hold on. What? Hey, Bellew too? So, I have to stop you. <laughs> yeah, so so I would say that I'm really, really good. Um, I'd like to say I'm a good boxing analyst. I, I call every fight right, you know, that I've been interested in. Okay. But I've ever called... Three fights wrong in my life, and it was the two Bellew Hay fights. I called Hay twice. So yeah. when I called it wrong the first time, I lost a, a right few quid with the lads because they're all like, No, Tony Bellew. And I was like, Not a chance. Hay, you know, like Hay is just on a different level. So I was wrong the first time. I said, Right, it has to happen the second time. He was just had an off. And I called that wrong. And then Jake Paul and your man Ben Askren, I called wrong. Don't ask me why. Yeah, I suppose he the first fighter he's coming up because he knocked out a basketball player in his previous yeah, yeah, yeah. fight. I'll call it. Yeah, yeah I, I was with you, Tommy. I had hay in those ones as well. And especially the first time, I have a mate of mine, Dave Reddy, and he was telling me that Belly was going to win. And I, being the boxing guy, was yeah, getting yeah. real uppity with him, really condescending, yeah. telling him, You don't know what you're talking about, mate. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but yeah. the second one, there was a lot on the line for me. My reputation was on the line. <laughs> I really lost a lot. So that, I haven't looked forward to a fight as much. Um, because, you know, nobody knows, you know, but I can't see past Joshua, not just because I was in the camp. I'm not biased. I can't see past Joshua. And um, like, how can you beat him? You know what I mean? Well, you, you can beat him, I suppose, the way. I, okay. I'd say keys to victory. Usyk has a couple of keys. He can outbox him. Surely. Yeah. He can knock him out. Usyk can knock him out. I would have thought so. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have said that watching Andy Ruiz over the years that he's a big knockout puncher. Like I've seen him, saw him fight Joseph Parker a few years ago. Couldn't really move him, couldn't shift him. I know Parker's a bigger guy, but I never really saw massive power in Andy Ruiz. And then he knocked out Anthony Joshua. So a, a well-timed punch on the chin can, can crumple anything, you know? Right. I would say anybody 17 stone plus boxing can knock the other person out. 
mm. anybody. I think Andy Ruiz won the lotto that night. If they boxed it 100 times, he would win once. I think personally. Yeah, I, I think that per, that's just my opinion. You know what I mean? And I, yeah, yeah. I'd be honest, that that's that's just how I see it. I think if they boxed 100 times, he would win one time. You know what I mean? Um, Joshua is just better in all the areas. And you know what it is? He's a workhorse as well. Like, it's, he doesn't, um, he doesn't leave any, you know, everyone, you know, the cliche, no stone unturned. He literally doesn't. You know what I mean? He literally does not. He lives it properly lives it you know i can't just can't see past them and before i before i was in joshua's camp and um, and got to meet him got to meet his team and stuff like that i would have been like now tyson fury all day you know what i mean but i i've been changed and i'm not biased you know i say things how they are i'm not biased but just i've seen it i've seen what he can do and I, i've seen you know how much he's improved he's i think he's improved a lot yeah that's and that's important because it, like yourself, he came late to boxing. You, 16, 15 has, is plenty of time to learn, but he obviously came 18, 19, and he had a lot of time. He had a lot to catch up. And yeah. that's the thing with Joshua. I think people underestimate. He is improving. He has improved in the last three or four years. Definitely. you know. And I think, uh, like I said, with me and Pat, I used to revert back to boxing on the outside. Joshua used to revert a lot back to relying on his physicality and his athleticism and neglect his skills, you know, ne- neglect combining his skills. Now he has like, like some of his coaches are unbelievable, you know, really are serious. Like Joby Clayton is a serious, serious coach. You know, like the guy, Angel Garcia or Angel Hernandez, um, another one of Joshua's coaches, amazing coach, you know. And so these are guys that were brought in to help him, you know, push up on these extra skills to help him kind of uh, maximize his own potential. And you know, having worked with these guys for a couple of years, I thought he looked really good in the pull-out fight. And then I see him moving and sparring. I see him hitting. Now I know bags and pads is different, but I just see, you know, a more complete fire altogether. And did he hit like like nobody you've been in with before? Yeah, like I would say it's not as, like Lawrence Cody feels like he's, you know, shredding skin when he hits you. It's that sharp, you know? More of a tudden blow from Joshua Bowie, you know, I could see him <laughs> killing people stone dead when he hits yeah. them. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's so explosive, you know. It is It is what you think it would be. It's like, you know, it's nothing you've ever experienced before. Yeah, I don't want to. Although, uh, I, I saw reading through old texts between ourselves. I did promise to do a couple of rounds on the body bag, which, or even a couple of rounds. One, that, <laughs> one round. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually organizing the fundraiser in the next four weeks. 3rd of October, Sunday. I'm going to spar 100 rounds. 100 rounds yeah 100 rounds now they're only going to be one minute 100 okay days. yeah so if you want in no problem you can get in and where's that taking place and I, what are the I, details I, I, I try and get a location so I do a fundraiser every every year I try and do it every year for um, Rory Gallagher I don't know whether you've seen me before I used to organise like Helen Backs and different kind of online events during lockdown to raise money for Rory um, in his wish to walk you know so he's um, we're just basically putting together another fundraiser you know, that's all. Brilliant. Well, look, fair play to you, Thomas. And that's a great cause as well. Good best wishes to young Rory and his wish to walk as well. Absolutely. And Thomas, best wishes to you and your upcoming career. Do you know, do you know when your second fight has been slated for? You just kind of just so wait I, and sharpen up? I've had so many fights. You wouldn't believe I've had so many fights fall through um, over the last couple of weeks. Like, I'm ready to go tomorrow. Um, I've been promised that I'll have at least two, if not three, before Christmas. Um, so... Two not in the country, hopefully one in the country. So 
depending on how things go, at least two fights before Christmas. Okay. Well, look, full speed ahead. Tom Scarty, thanks very much for uh, joining us today on the Rocky Road. It's been really informative and good crack. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you.